right, and we are back to once again explore our faith in pursuit of God's grace. I am Lee Grant. This is Kevin Pendergrass. And tonight we're going to be doing part two in a non-sequential series that we're doing on the fruit of the Spirit. We already discussed the fruit of the Spirit of, we discussed love, which is the first and primary fruit of the Spirit. And this evening we're going to be discussing joy. And Kevin, you had something you wanted to share with our uh, audience today. Well, I was just I was just going to say that this episode is going to be everyone a lot of joy because it's going to be short. This is not going to be a very long episode. Yeah, if you have a long commuter, if you're stuck in traffic, you're going to need to go back and listen to one of our other ones on marriage, divorce, and remarriage, or <laughs> listen to the episode we did with uh, Chris Rosser with Dr. Linda King with someone that we went a long time with because this one isn't going to take very long because it's fairly straightforward. Um, in discussing the fruits of the spirit or the fruit of the spirit, um, we have several different things that are delineated in Galatians chapter five and verse 22, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And our goal is to do an episode on each of these things. Some of these episodes are going to be longer than others, but this one on joy is going to be fairly straightforward because joy is we all know what that is. There's no qualifications or qualifiers that you have to give to joy. There's, I mean, there's no real depth to discussing what joy is or nuance to it. Joy is joy. It is what it is. It's something that we have all experienced. It's fairly straightforward, which is what is going to lend it to this episode being a little bit shorter. <laughs> well, and yes, and and you know, we've we've already dealt a little bit in not to the not too distant past where we talked about uh, modern day asceticism, the idea that Christians can't have a good time, and we differentiated the idea of just pure happiness which is more of an emotional state versus joy, which is more of a perspective. And when we look at joy in Scripture, joy is seen as this perspective that, that we're to have as Christians. It is a choice. It is a mindset that even when we're going through trials, according to James chapter 1, we can still choose to count it all joy. And when James is writing there, I find it interesting because when he says, count it all joy, what he's saying is make this a concentrated effort to when you're going through bad things in your life, make that a point to spin it somehow as a perspective to still see the good. Now, it doesn't mean that we have to just constantly be running around all giddy with a smile on our face and you know running through the tulips as if everything is always great, but it's being able to appreciate what we've gone through. And Lee, we talked about the difference between critical thinking and sincere thinking in one of our recent episodes. And one of the points you made toward the end of that episode is that you're thankful for some of the beliefs you used to believe that you used to have, have any even or that you ha once had, excuse me, even though now you realize that that was something that was not great. And that was something that you no longer believe in. And really, it led to some some complications and difficulties in times past. But now you can look back with joy and a sense of appreciation because of what that led to and where you're currently at now. And so I think that when we talk about joy, it's important, first of all, to keep in mind, it's not just an emotional state, but it's a choice. It's a perspective choice. Yes. Well, it absolutely is. And I think that's the, the best first point we can make 
is that it's a mindset. And I really appreciate how you put that because whenever we think about joy in its, in its most raw sense, it's happiness, it's elation, it's being just over the moon about something positive or something good. And yet there's this juxtaposition with what James says, we count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Well, how can I find happiness there? And it's not about finding happiness. It's about choosing to have a mindset to know that no matter what, everything's going to be okay. And whenever you're in the middle of those dark times, whenever you're in the middle of those trying times in life, it can be really hard to have faith that God will see you through. It can be really difficult to know that God has got everything under control and it's going to be okay. And in whenever we place our faith in him and we rest in him, it can be really, really helpful, but yeah. it can also be really difficult. You know, I remember a time in my life when I had little to no joy, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, when I very first got my practice going, things did not go well that first eight to 12 months in practice. And it was, it was a really, really, really hard time for me, especially in terms of mental health. I mean, I've, I've mentioned before at that point in my life, I had become suicidally depressed. It was the lowest point I have ever been to in my life. And when you're in the middle of it, when you're in the middle of something like that, there is no joy and yeah. you can't count it all joy. And it's hard to have faith that God's got your back. It's hard to have faith that God's going to see you through that moment. But what those times do when we get through them is they can help us recalibrate our perspective so that whenever the trials of life arise again, they can deepen our faith. And I really think that's what James is talking about when he says, count it all joy when you fall into those trials because they do strengthen your faith when you get through them. They do help you to have a better perspective and to it, it makes it easier to find joy in those moments, having been through those moments before. Well, I think one of the reasons, too, why at least I didn't have a whole lot of joy. I've always been a happy person just by nature. I've, I like to laugh yeah. and I like to make fun of myself and just cut up and just kind of how I am. I'm, I'm a, I'm a pretty dumb guy. So there's a lot to laugh at and make fun of, but you know, one of the, one of the things that, that I realized in looking at joy and starting to study that from a biblical perspective is that when you look at the word itself, it carries the idea of recognizing grace in your life. It's the way it's the awareness that you are living in God's grace. And that's what the actual Greek word means. So when you look at Christians and you see that they don't have a lot of joy in their life, it usually can be attached to the conviction that they really don't believe that they have God's grace or that they're constantly questioning if they have God's grace. For me, I was taught a very faulty view, in my opinion, of what Christianity looks like, a walk with God. A walk with God, I, in fact, I don't know if you've ever been taught, taught it this way or if you were taught it this way, but we would go to 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, that if we walk in the light as He is in the light, then the blood of Jesus continuously cleanses our sins, and we have to acknowledge that we're sinners. And the And, and I remember being in Bible classes where they would, they would take a line and or a marker and draw a straight line. And they'd say, well, as long as you're doing everything you're supposed to, you're walking in the light. But as soon as you sin, as soon as you mess up, 
you're no longer walking in the light and they would they would draw this linear line and then they would it would it would diverge from that line and they would say okay now you're no longer walking in the light which means you no longer have the blood of Jesus which means you no longer are covered by God's grace and that is textbook definition of works based salvation by the way yep, because 100%. it's the idea that as long as you're doing everything right you have God's grace the second you mess up even if it's unintentional even if it's something that you didn't even realize or done in ignorance you no longer have God's grace anymore you no longer have the blood of Jesus Christ that's how i was taught to live a christian life so you're constantly wondering am i in or am i out and our view of righteousness was that you may be in and out of God's grace a hundred times a day before you lay down, you know, your head at night. So from the time yeah. you wake up in the morning till you time, from the time you you went to bed, you may have been saved, lost, saved, lost, saved, lost, saved, lost, saved, lost, dozens of times. And you're just hoping it's like playing, you know, almost almost this like horrible game where you just hope that it's like musical chairs with salvation, where you just hope when the music stops, you're sitting where you need to be sitting. And and that's really the way that I was taught to view Christianity. Now, there may be Christians out there, even very conservative Christians, who go, no, 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 I don't agree with that, Kevin. And there are some who would disagree with that. But that's the way I, and I, by the way, I disagree with that. But that is the way that I was taught to understand having a, a relationship with God was that in and out, in and in and out of the light, in and out of the light. I say all that and went on that big rant because there's not much joy to be had in that. If you're yeah. always thinking, okay, do I have God's grace? Do I not have God's grace? Do I have God's grace? Do I not have? Oh no, I, I thought a lustful thought. I don't have God's grace anymore. God forgive me. Whew, okay. I'm glad I'm still alive to ask God to forgive me. I'm good again. I'm driving down the road. Oh, somebody pulls out in front of me. Oh, now I'm ticked off. Oh man, I had a I had a hateful thought. Okay. I just murdered this guy in my heart. Okay. God, <laughs> please forgive me. Okay. Whew, okay, I'm good again. So it's just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, and there's, you're just constantly wondering, well, am I really saved? And I think that's what led to my arrogance because I finally just was like, okay, I'm going to take the position I am right on everything because it's a lot easier to live that way and you feel a lot better when you just think you've got it all figured out anyway. So that was really the approach that I took. But there were times I would revert back to that old, old way of thinking of, well, am I saved? Am I lost? Am I saved? Am I lost? And so if joy... B biblically speaking, we're talking about this word in the Bible. If it is a awareness of God's grace, it's hard to be thankful and joyful about something if you're constantly questioning if you really have it or not. And Absolutely. It, and and that's why I believe we there is such a misunderstanding of what joy is because we we really just don't know um you know we really don't believe that we're in god's good grace and you know someone had asked me lee and i think you've probably been asked this too well kevin you've been wrong before i mean you basically have stated that most of your beliefs you believe were incorrect well how do you know the beliefs you have right now are are correct how do you know that that you're not wrong right now and i says i said well uh, I really don't. I, I believe that I'm right now, and I believe that I have good reasons to believe that, but I'm not going to sit here and say that all of my conclusions are infallibly correct. And they go, well, what if you're wrong on something? I said, that's the beautiful thing about God's grace, isn't it? <laughs> that yeah. even, and, and they told someone who is still what I believe to be caught up in legalism, I said, and this is the great thing about God's grace for you too. 
I think you're wrong, but I still think you have God's grace. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> and and uh, I said, so we can have joy. This is this is a joy we can all have because we recognize God's grace. No, dude, whenever you're talking about being in and being out, I call that a toggle switch soteriology, toggle switch salvation. Yeah. It's on. Whenever that switch is in the on position, well, then you're saved. Then you click it off. Oh, now you're lost. It's like a like you were saying, a game. I was thinking like a like a cosmic game of red light, green light with eternal consequences <laughs> is, is what it sounds like. And, and yeah. brother, you're absolutely right. Whenever you live that way, whenever that is the way your faith manifests itself, there's no joy in that. There's no room for joy in that. There no. may be pockets of relief and there may be moments of joy that bookend terror and dread, but they're the exception to the rule. And whenever you say that's kind of what you were taught, I know we weren't ever really taught that in an overt way, but that was most definitely the implication and the takeaway from from what was often said and how it was said and how it was taught and how God's grace was taught is that you're in and then whenever you screw up in even the slightest degree, you're out. I mean, I have heard preachers say and teachers say that Whenever you're driving down the highway, you don't dare speed because Romans 13 says you need to follow the law of the land and he doesn't bear the sword in vain and the speed limit, you know, so it's scriptural mandate that you follow the law. The speed limit is the law. If you go one mile over the speed limit and you're in a wreck and you die, yeah. your soul could be lost yeah. because you're violating the law of the land. And, you know, there are people that would refuse to do so. And I guarantee you they've got cheap insurance premiums because they never break any traffic laws whatsoever. But <laughs> but that's not a very joyful place to be. And whenever God's grace is misappropriated or misapplied in such a way that you are completely robbed in your Christian life of all the joy that you could have, I mean, that's bleak. I mean, what is it we are supposed to do as God's children? What is it that we are supposed to do? We're supposed to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. That's that's the summary of everything. But then Jesus also says, go into the world and make disciples. In other words, you're following me. Help other people become followers of me. And whenever you're living a life of joy, people want that. Especially yeah. in this day and age, dude, as dark as the last two years have been with COVID and all the uncertainty and all of the fear, there's been very little joy in yeah. the lives of a lot of people. And whenever you have this message, whenever you have this good news of Jesus Christ and you take it to these people and you deliver it to them and you're telling them about all of the wonders that can come from following God, all of the changes that can be had in your life, but your life is not reflecting a joyful life, no one's going to want any part of that. If it's all lip service and you're just saying, oh, well, follow after me, all oh, you are heavy laden, you know, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, come to me, I'll give you rest, to paraphrase what Jesus said, but then you're binding a really heavy yoke and it's not an easy burden, it's not light. It's not simple. It's you're not engaging in life with a sense of joy and you don't have joy reflected in your life. Who wants to be a part of that? Who wants to see someone who's terrified about, you know, possibly I nose too far out ahead of this stop sign. And then I got clipped by an 18 wheeler. I'm saying before God and God says, you know what? I'm sorry about you. But, you know, if you just wouldn't have run that that stop sign, well, you'd be OK. But since you violated the law of the land, according to this technicality, I can't let you into heaven. No one wants any part of that. 
No one wants to be a part of a life or to engage in a life that robs them of joy or that doesn't have any more joy to offer than what they're already experiencing. People are hurting, man. Yeah. People are struggling in this life. And to say, I have the answer to all of that, but that joy is not reflected within your own spiritual walk. Dude, that testifies more than all the Bibles that could ever be printed. Well, I want to tie this into, if I can, the universal, the Christian universalist conversation we've kind of been having off and on throughout the last several episodes over the past few months on who's going to be saved and who's going to be lost. And if if people who never heard about Jesus can still be saved, then what's the point of evangelizing? And I'm not going to rehash all the points that we, we made in that episode, but I, I think of John 10, 10, where Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You know, there, Jesus isn't saying that I've come so that everybody can be millionaires. Um, that he's not teaching a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. He's teaching a perspective. And what he's saying is, is that I'm coming that people can now live a much more abundant, loving, peaceful, joyful life. And if if joy, when we understand joy as grace recognized, why would we not want to share that with people? Why, yeah. why would why, I mean take taking the fire insurance out of it? Why you know and if if that's the only way we understand it, I think we've completely missed the point of the gospel, which is the good news, not an escape from bad news. Um, you know, but it is it is good news. And you know that that's just like if 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 someone called me up today and said, "Hey, Kevin." Um, you know, I've got, I've got good news. I'm like, okay, what's that? And they're like, well, um, I'm not going to come and burn your house down tonight. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> I'm like, that's I, great I news. You know, I don't really know if that's great news, but if, but if that same person calls us, Hey, Kevin, great news. What? You just won the sweepstakes and I'm coming to, to give you this big check with balloons. That's good news. Now the, the point I'm making in this metaphor here is that we tend to make good news, Really just the takeaway of bad news is really what the gospel has become is that is, oh, well, this is just kind of a remedy for, for really bad things that were going to happen. And while I think that there's a sense in which, yes, that, that that argument can be made to an extent, the good news is this recognition that we're living in God's grace, that we we realize this and we accept this and we believe it. Um, even if we don't really truly believe it, I, I don't think that that takes away from the fact that we're still in God's grace as Christians. But when we really can accept that, there is this joy of from Christians that I have met, especially before I started changing my beliefs. And there were, you know, I didn't believe there were Christians in groups outside of the churches of Christ. I mean, I thought we were the true church and not just we, but my particular brand of the, you know, you one cuppers weren't going to heaven because you were binding where God had not bound. And those who used instrumental music sure weren't going to heaven because they had loosed where God had bound. So it wasn't just the church of Christ. It was my specific brand of the church of Christ is saved. But when I started meeting people in the Baptist church and the Methodist church who not only were bearing the fruit of the spirit, who not only were loving their neighbor as themselves, but they had this contagious joy and peace. And I thought, wow, like what do they know that I don't? Why are they living and, and, and experiencing a more 
fruit-filled life of Christianity than I am, yet I'm going to say I'm saved and they're lost. That just didn't make any sense, especially if Jesus says that the litmus test is the fruit of the Spirit and how we love our neighbor. That's that's the litmus test of faithfulness, not, not uh, you know, can you quote Bible verses and can you make sure that you've done this and that the right way? Uh, we've talked about that with the parable of the Good Samaritan as well. But I just think that when you bring it all back and you look at that word, of this grace realized that that's why we need to tell, tell people about Jesus so that they can realize the grace they have in their lives, the, the purpose that they can have for their lives. And, you know, once again, I don't want to make this some cheap in health, wealth, prosperity that, Oh, if you just know about Jesus, everything's going to be great. I don't think that's what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to say, even when things are difficult in life, because people are binding burdens that are too heavy for you to bear, that's okay. Because my burdens are easy. My yoke is light. It's easy. You can follow me. And the reason why you can have such a joy is because you know that there's no condemnation in Christ. There's no condemnation for my followers. Well, what if I sin? There's no condemnation. Well, what if I'm ignorant about an issue? There's no condemnation. Well, what if I've done something that I regret? What? A, there's no condemnation. That's such a beautiful, beautiful statement that we're not living in. And until we really understand what the gospel is, I don't think we can have true joy. No, I think you're absolutely right about that because that idea of a more abundant life, whenever you have been, and I'm speaking from my perspective here, whenever you've been so beaten down in your own mind and you've beat yourself down, you have self-flagellated to the point where you're sitting here thinking, man, how in the world am I going to make it to heaven? Because, you know, what about these things I don't know? What about this over here? How do I know I'm right about this, that, or the other? Whenever I got baptized, did all of me go under the water? Like, did I have a toe sticking? out you know hopefully i'm not gonna go into heaven without the toes on my this, right this, foot this little piggy this little piggy went all the way we would be all the way to hell now, all the way to hell but that's the rest right. of you went to heaven just not rest the rest of me is there yeah but i'm gonna miss that toe but anyway it, whenever you're so weighed down with all of that and you realize just like what you said there's no condemnation in christ jesus if i have missed something in my bible studies or if i don't understand some concept perfectly there's no condemnation there that in and of itself, dude, I mean, that's enough to spark joy. And, you know, there's this idea that Marie Kondo was super popular there for a while, you know, that, you know, clean out your house. And if, if you find something and you hold something in your hand, it doesn't spark joy, throw <laughs> yeah. it out. I find joy in a lot of different things. That's why I've got so much clutter in my house because I can grab <laughs> something and be like, oh yeah, it's funny. In, in my marriage, I'm the sentimental one and Kim's the practical one. She wants to get rid of everything. She's like, let's just throw it away. Let's go full dude, minimalist. Awesome. I want to get through, like I, I could live just with like a couple things, man. I really could. Dude. And the thing is, is practically speaking, I can too, but it's like, oh no, that was my great grandpa's and it sat in his, you know, <laughs> nightstand drawer forever. So now it's going to sit in my nightstand drawer forever because it was my grandpa's. I'm the sentimental one. So, I mean, I get it. But, you know, I also think about, I also think about marriage. You know, I think about the marriage Kim and I have, the relationship that we have with each other. And our relationship brings me a lot of joy. I mean, we have our moments just like every married couple does. We have our moments where we might get sideways with each other. We'll argue, we'll bicker. That happens occasionally, but it doesn't happen often. And the more time we spend with each other, the less that happens. The longer we're married and the longer we're together, the fewer 
the fewer those moments are in which we, we butt heads or we get sideways with each other. Now, could I live my life without her? Could I have never married her and had a good life? I'm sure I probably could have. Could I have found joy in that life? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I probably could have, but my joy is compounded. It is expanded beyond my wildest dreams because I have her in my life. So that doubling back around to that question, well, if those who have never heard about Jesus will ultimately be saved in the end through the grace of God, well, why then preach the gospel? Because the abundant joy that I have had in my married life is a representation of the joy that I have in this relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Now, my wife and I, we've been married for, it'll be 17 years this year. And I only really feel like I've had a relationship with Jesus for maybe the last two and a half to three years. And so I'm still kind of in the early stages of that. And Kim and I were talking the other night. She's been trying to listen to the podcast when she can. It's not like she has anything to do. I mean, she takes care of the house. She does massage therapy. She homeschools our four savage children. You know, she <laughs> drives them everywhere. She's a professional chauffeur, taking them to tumbling and jujitsu and gymnastics and ninja and whatever else. But she said, I finally got through your whole series on marriage, divorce, and remarriage. It's only taken me a year to do it. And, you know, she's she's talking about listening to the podcast. She's talking about how much she enjoys it. And she was telling me the other night, you know, you guys talk so much about a relationship with Jesus. I'm still trying to figure out what that looks like. And I said, I am too. Yeah, I am too. Yeah. But it's, but it's a lot like this that we have back and forth with each other. It's this that we have with each other and the joy that brings. And when we have a relationship with Jesus, the fruit that bears is going to be a greater degree of love for God and a greater degree of love for neighbor. That's why that fruit of the spirit is first on the list. But joy comes with that when you know you're deeply loved. And that love is being shown to you in community and you're showing that love to others that feeds joy and your joy just continues to grow. That's why we preach the gospel. That's why that joy comes yeah. because a life with Jesus is the best life you can have. Yeah. And it's something that you experience. In fact, I believe that the, the number one reason why I'm a Christian is because of my experience with the teachings of Jesus Christ and how it's changed my life. Now, I understand that may not be convincing to everyone. Yeah. And there may be non-believers who say, well, I still am happy and I still have a good perspective on life. I mean, sure, you can. You can. Um, and and I'm not saying that non-Christians are exempt from having a good perspective on life because there are many atheists who, who, who do and agnostics who do have yes. uh, joy in their life. And so I want to be careful not to overstate the case, but I do believe that if you look at the teachings of Christ and if you really apply the love ethic that Jesus teaches, there is this love that I feel from something outside of of anybody else that is is this universal type of love that I feel that something bigger than me or any other human has for me and uh, and I've experienced that now once again I, I I think that there's historical arguments that can be made for the existence of Christ and I mean I understand the the arguments of the resurrection and all those things and I, I utilize those in my own belief as well as when I'm talking to others but Ultimately, it's the fruit 
that I've seen in my own life and how it has changed me. Where I was and where I'm at now, I attribute that to Jesus. I attribute that to his teachings. And one thing I want to say about 1 John 1, 7 through 9, circling back for a moment about walking in the light as he is in the light, I wanted to make this point because one of the biggest problems with viewing salvation in a relationship with God is off, on, off, on, off, on, based upon how well you're performing that makes no sense within the context because if you are walking with God in the blood of Jesus, and of course all of this is a, a spiritually figurative, whatever, however you want to describe it, but the, the idea is if we're walking with Christ, we're walking in this light as he is in the light, and we have the blood of Christ, if that means we're doing everything we're supposed to be doing, my question is why do we need the blood of Jesus? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I would only need the blood of Jesus when I'm not walking in the light according to that belief. And so the reason why is not because I'm doing everything right. It's because I am I am in the, the direction. I'm going in the direction I need to be going with Jesus Christ. And so because of that, I'm walking in the light and his blood is cleansing me, even though I'm falling short, even though I have misunderstandings, even though I may not be reading or applying scripture correct in, correctly in all aspects, or even though there may be some things that I've done in the past that I didn't recognize were wrong, that you know I've yet to make amends, or, or, or things I don't even think I need to, or whatever it might be, I still have God's grace. I still have that blood. That can make me sleep a lot better. When I go to bed and I lay that pillow, and I lay my head on that pillow at night, I'm not wondering, okay, well, what all am I doing that I might go to hell for today? What all did I do wrong? <laughs> That that's going to cause you yeah. the fruit of the of the of the devil, which is constant um, fear and terror and worry and anxiety. Which is why so many people are leaving forms of Christianities, and I and really it's Christianities. Um, I talk about that yeah. a little bit in my book because it's not a Christianity I believe in. That's that's no longer. There's a lot of Christians who have an understanding of God that I would completely deny. I don't believe in the God that some Christians believe in, the God that keeps them up at night, shaking in terror, wondering, well, what all they're doing wrong, they need to correct. There's no joy in that. You can't, yeah. you can't, there's no way you can convince me that there's any joy in that whatsoever of grace realized. Grace realized is, and, and by the way, there's a little wrinkle here that I figured out a few few years ago in my own life as to why at times I'm still trying to earn my salvation, and I, and I realize that what I'm doing is I'm not trusting in God's grace. I'm not allowing God's grace to be enough because every time that I say, well, what if, or what about this, or to be on the safe side, what I'm saying is I don't think God's grace is enough. I don't yeah. think God's grace is enough for me. So I want to make sure I'm doing my part. I'm actually minimizing and trying to discredit God's grace instead of finding joy in living within God's grace. Absolutely. And and whenever you put it in those terms, it makes it more clear. Whenever you think about walking in the light as he is in the light, for so long I tried to do that and it brought no joy. Yeah. And in the moments where it did bring joy, where there was joy, it was because I'm walking so perfectly in the light. Look at me. Mm-hmm. That joy wasn't in Jesus. It wasn't no. in what the Holy Spirit had done for me. And the it trust wasn't, wasn't in God or Jesus. Exactly, it was in yourself. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was all fulfilled in myself. I was joyful because of what I had done. Look at me. Look at everything that I've done. Look at how well and how closely I can toe the line. Aren't I just great? Let me pat myself on the back here. Yeah. And 
not only does that perspective rob you of joy, but it completely miss misplaces where that trust should be placed. And that's in the grace of God. Yeah. Well, um, I know I've said most of what I wanted to say. What else do you want to add to this? I mean, like I said, this is pretty straightforward, but that's good. I mean, we've already, we've already told everybody that this isn't going to be long, so we've, we've got to keep to our promise. So in in order to, in order to (laughs) them to, to have grace for us and realize to grace and accepted grace and all those types of things, we, we better have a little bit of joy too, right? No one likes a long winded (laughs) preacher. Well, brother, this has been fun. I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to continuing to dive into the fruit of the spirit and Hopefully we can get to the next one before, you know, five to six months goes by because I think it's been about that long since we did the first one. But in any case, man, it's been a good time. It's always fun. We appreciate all of you and we thank you. This podcast wouldn't be what it is without our listeners. Our audience is growing every day and we love the fact that you guys are getting as much out of this as what you are. Um, We know that you are because we have a lot of y'all reach out to us and we'd love to keep hearing from you. You can drop us an email. Our email address is always in the show notes. Uh, Give us that five-star review on iTunes. Review us. Give us a glowing review, only good reviews, on whatever platform you choose to consume this podcast on. Share it with your friends. Share it with your neighbors. Share it on social media. That's a huge help to us to help us grow this audience. We love you all and we wish you all a good day.